Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my dear friends in Christ, from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. Over the last three weeks, we have been focusing on an overarching theme. It's still all about Jesus. It's still all about Jesus. As, as we've been commemorating the 500th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation, we've been focused on this theme, it's still all about Jesus. Because as we reflect back on, on this Reformation event 500 years ago, uh, the Reformation is not about Martin Luther. It's not about the Catholic Church. It's not just about doctrine. Uh, the whole Reformation, the whole thing is about Jesus. And everything that we do as a church, as Christian people, it's still all about Jesus. And so what we have been focused on over the last three weeks, though, is uh, kind of the core of that Reformation theology. It comes down to what we call the three solas, the three alone statements. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. We are saved by grace through faith according to the words of the Holy Scriptures. We're saved by grace. Grace is a gift, an undeserved gift that comes from God through Jesus Christ to us poor miserable sinners, not because of anything that we can do, but despite our sin, God loves us so much that he sent Jesus for us. That's grace. We receive that gift of grace through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit opens our lives that we are receptive to hear the good news of Jesus and that we can trust that what Jesus accomplished on the cross is true. We receive grace through faith. And we know about this, and we can learn about this and read about this only in the Holy Scriptures alone, in Scripture alone. So today we are here to focus on this final sola statement that we are here to focus on Scripture alone. But what is Scripture? What is Scripture? What is the Bible? I, I don't know if you know this, the Bible is the, uh, the best-selling book Year after year after year after year, time and time again, there's over five, six billion copies of the Bible that have been sold. Uh, it doesn't show up on any uh, bestseller list because uh, those who come in second place are incredibly dwarfed by the number of sales of the Holy Scriptures. So if nothing else, we know that the Bible is a lot of places, but what is it? What is it? I've got a, I've got a whole bunch of Bibles here today. This is a little Bible. Right? This is a, the New International Version. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a bigger version of the New International uh, Version Bible. Uh, the back got torn off because one time in college it was sitting on top of a toaster oven and it got melted to the top of it. Uh, but I got this for confirmation class. Uh, this, is a, this is a Bible. This is the English Standard Version. It's a study Bible. Um, this is another English Standard Version. This is the one we use with our kids in junior high confirmation class. Let's see. I've got the, the Hebrew Bible, so this is the Old Testament in Hebrew. It, doesn't look, it just looks like pictures to you. Uh, I've got the Greek New Testament up here. I've got, I've got Bibles on my phone. I've got Bibles on my iPad. You can open up the, the internet and find any translation of the Bible. It's all over the place. But what do I need so many Bibles for? What, what is this thing? Why do we care about the Bible so much? And, and if it's in front of us, how are we supposed to read it? Is it, is it just a history book? Is it a philosophy book? Is it a moral guideline? Is it a self-help book? What is this thing? When we focus on this theme that, that we uh, know the good news of Jesus Christ by Scripture alone, there are so many things that I could talk about today and that I, that I could focus on. 
But there is, there is so much that I can't hardly even scratch the surface today, so I've selected just a couple of things that I think are of primary importance for us uh, to delve into today. First of all, I want you to hear this. This is, this is above all, all things which is important for us. We believe that the Bible is the inspired and inerrant Word of God. We believe it's inspired and it's inerrant. Let me take those one at a time. We believe that the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. What, is, what does this mean? We believe that the Holy Spirit guided and directed those people who wrote the words that are contained in the Bible. We believe the Holy Spirit guided them and directed them to write down what they wrote. But these were real people that lived in real places, that wrote about real experiences, that happened in this real world in real time. But the Holy Spirit guided them and directed them to write it down. I remember when I was a kid, I, I was taught this, that, that the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know why, but I always had this picture in my mind of like, uh, I don't know, th this huge light shining on somebody and, and compelling them out of nowhere to go and write. And so this light, you know, takes them into this dark room and, and they grab a pen and some ink and they can't control their hand, you know, and they just, they just write and write and write and write until all the words are done and the Bible, right? Um, that's not really how it worked, actually. Um, and and as, as I've, I've grown and matured as a Christian, I've, I've learned that that's not necessarily always how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit works by pointing people to the truth of, of who God is. And so if these people who wrote the Bible were uh, motivated to write the truth of who God is, that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. So these are real people doing real things, but we believe that God directed them by the power of the Holy Spirit, inspiring them to write uh, those words that they wrote. So it's inspired, but it's also inerrant. Inerrant means without error. Without error. We do believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, but this one has been a stumbling block for many people. And critics of the Bible love to throw this one back in the face of Christians. And they do it like this. They would pull out from the Bible any random sentence and point out a, a grammatical or a syntactical or maybe even a scientific point, and they would say, hmm, this is not true, you Christian. You said the Bible is without error. This is not true. Therefore, what you are reading is not without error, and if, it's without, if, if you say it's without error, well, here's an error. Therefore, I have just disproved the validity of your whole book. Therefore, there is no God, and he definitely doesn't love you. Okay? People do this all the time, but that is a big logical leap to make. That would be like you saying to me today, hey, pastor, if you make one grammatical mistake today in your sermon, I cannot trust anything that you say, and I know that you don't care about me at all. Well, good thing I don't make grammatical mistakes, all right? I don't think I should have ended that sentence with all right. There was a comma. Okay, see how it goes, right? How, how does this work? The, the inerrancy of Scripture uh, can best be described maybe as one author puts it like this. 
To say that the sacred scriptures are inerrant is to say that their authors are absolutely truthful according to their intended purposes. What does this mean? No author of the Bible set out to deceive anyone. They did not set out to tell a lie. They set out, inspired by the Spirit, to write and record what they saw, what they witnessed, what they experienced, and the Spirit guided them to do that in a truthful way according to their intended purposes to tell the truth about who God is and what he is doing. That is what the inerrancy of the Scriptures mean. All right, so the Bible is inspired and inerrant, but can you trust it? Can you trust the Bible? Can you trust that the words on the page that you have in front of you are the words that are supposed to be there? Here's what I mean. I've heard this question many times, even even from uh, folks in the congregation here. I've heard this. Pastor, um, isn't the Bible corrupted now? Do, Do we have the right words in front of us? Because after so much time and so many translations, aren't the words messed up? Like, hasn't it gone through too many iterations that that we don't have necessarily the, the real words in front of us. And so let me just tell you something about biblical translation. If you have a Bible, a reputable Bible in your homes, your Bible was translated by going back to the original sources. So if you have an English Bible, it, it, they went back to the Greek New Testament and the Hebrew Old Testament and translated into English from the original sources. Okay? So it's not like our English Bible comes from an old English Bible, that comes from a German Bible, that comes from a Latin Bible, that comes from uh, the Greek and, and Hebrew. It didn't go through that many iterations like that. If it did, we would have a pretty messed up Bible, like a, like a game of telephone gone wrong, and, and the words would be really mixed up. So let me just say it like that. Your English Bibles are translated from the original Greek and Hebrew. And this is why as a pastor, um, as pastors within the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, this is why we actually have to spend years uh, learning Hebrew and Greek so that we too can go back and and look at the original sources to see uh, that what we have is actually uh, the true Word of God. Now the authority of Scripture is often challenged. And and in this day and age, in, in this secular society that we have, people love to challenge the authority of the Scripture. And another way that the, the, the authority of Scripture is challenged is, is like this. They will say, okay, Christian, do you know that, that Christians don't, that the Bible is not based on any original source whatsoever? Like, you don't, you don't have an original copy of the, the first-hand thing. You only have copies of copies of copies. You don't, you don't have, like, Matthew's gospel all in one piece, and at the end it's written in Matthew's hand, written by Matthew, <laughs> okay? And so they'll say, hey, you don't have any original copies. You don't have any original documents to support this. You only have copies of copies. Maybe you don't know this, okay? So they'll say that. But here's the deal. Let me tell you, out of all of the ancient texts that exist, there is not a single original copy of any ancient text, not from Aristotle, or Plato, or Homer, or Socrates, or Julius Caesar, not even Shakespeare. There's not an original signed autograph, okay? And all of these things are accepted in Western culture. I want to just share with you uh, something that's, that's, that I find to be astounding uh, to prove the validity uh, of Scripture against any of these other things. And you can do this by looking at the, what we have accessible for 
um, these other writings. So just for example, if you, if you look at Aristotle, all right, the philosopher Aristotle, you can put up one more screen on there. If you look at Aristotle, his writings, the earliest manuscript that we have from Aristotle to support his writings uh, was composed 1,400 years after he originally wrote his stuff. Okay, so Aristotle was here, and 1,400 years later, that's the first document that we have. And there's only 43 supporting uh, copies of this from that time period. Okay, if you go to Plato, for him, the earliest writing that we have is 1,200 years later, and there's only seven copies in the whole world to support Plato's writings. If you look at Homer, now he's, they've, got, they've got documents for Homer within 500 years of when he was alive and writing. And there's, there's an astounding number of 643 supporting uh, copies that make up his writing. So how does the New Testament, at least, stack up against this? If you look at the New Testament, the earliest manuscripts that we have date from 15 to 80 years from the original writing. There are over 24,000 copies that were produced at that time. All right. Now, there's a lot that can be said about this, and maybe it doesn't necessarily make sense. All I'm telling you is, with the scriptures early on, our documents go back way earlier than any of these, and there are so many, so many. And when you look across the board, 85% of those things, they, they line up. They, they are word for word for word identical across so many copies. It is, it is astounding. So purely by these numbers, the Bible is more authoritative and reliable than any other ancient text. All right, maybe you find that interesting, maybe not. There's a lot of stuff that could be said here about what the Holy Scripture is and that we can trust it. But why can we trust it? Why can we trust it? Well, I can tell you this. In all of my studies, but in my personal experience and with people, I can tell you that there is something special about the Word of God as it's contained in the Holy Scriptures. It's more than just a history book. It's more than a philosophy book. It's more than a self-help book that gives you the purpose and meaning of life. It is the very Word of God, which is alive and active by the power of the Spirit to transform lives when it is read and when it is proclaimed. Now, Martin Luther, he believed that when the Bible got into the hands of regular people, that their eyes would be opened, their hearts would be opened to the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ, just like it was for him. And that's why Luther was the very first to translate the Bible into the language of the people. And so the German people were the very first ones to have the Bible uh, translated into their language. Otherwise, they would have only heard the scriptures in Latin if they went to the Latin Mass and heard the priests speak in Latin. So this was the first time, and with the advent of the printing press, they were able to distribute the Bible to people. And so Luther believed that by the power of the Spirit, when people open up the words of the gospel to read and think and pray and apply the Bible, that they would experience this life-saving and eternal promise of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is the point of the whole Bible, my friends. This is the point of the whole thing. The whole Bible is about the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. This is the point of the whole Bible. If you were with us last year, uh, from September 2016 to May of 2017, we worked our way through the story 
the whole story from, from beginning to end. Uh, we went in chronological order. And what was the point of that? that? That we would read and experience the unending story from God's creation to his new creation centered in the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible is the story of how God creates, how he sustains, how he saves, and how he will restore this creation that he has made for us. And how does he do it? He does it all through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Word of God made flesh. When we read the Holy Scriptures, we can read Jesus on any page of the Bible. When we read the Scriptures, it's like putting on, um, maybe we'd call it Jesus lenses. Maybe you'd call it Jesus lenses. When we, when we read the Holy Scriptures, it's like putting on Jesus lenses, all right? Because you know the truth of the gospel, that Jesus came as a person to die on the cross and rise again so that you and I, sinners, could have new life. We read the Bible on any given page. Even in the Old Testament, you read the sacrificial system, you see Jesus at work. You see God's promise to send a Savior. You see Jesus in the flesh, in the Gospels. You see Jesus all throughout the New Testament. We read the Gospel with Jesus lenses. But these Jesus lenses don't just affect the way we read the Bible, but they also affect the way that we go into this world. Imagine that you have on Jesus lenses. Imagine you have Jesus lenses on when you go into the world. When you face difficulties in this life or you experience challenging people in your life, you, Christian, go with Jesus lenses. You, you go and you see those difficulties as they are, but you see them with the reign of Jesus Christ. You see that Jesus conquers all and you see his love and his grace. You, Christian, have Jesus lenses to see Jesus in the words of the Scripture, but also in this world. Jesus is on every page of the Scriptures, and you can see him through these Jesus lenses. That's why John said in John chapter 1 today, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there in the beginning. I know that doesn't necessarily make sense. You've got to think about this, but Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Word of God was there in the beginning. Jesus has been from all of eternity the Word of God. And Jesus is throughout the Bible. He is in the beginning. He is in the middle. He is in the end. The Bible contains the whole story of Jesus Christ. As we approach this Christmas season, and what's Christmas about? It's all about the Word of God made flesh full of grace and truth. And so as we approach this Christmas season, uh, maybe this last image will be helpful to you as well. From Martin Luther, Luther said this, the Bible is the manger in which Christ lies. The, the Bible is the manger in which Christ lies. What did Luther mean by that? He means that the Bible contains Jesus. It's all, it's, it's his story, right? It's his story for us, lost broken, condemned people in a lost, broken, condemned world. And without Jesus, we would have no hope. My dear friends in Christ, dear Christians, I pray that you open up God's word. I pray that you read and mark and inwardly digest that word of God for the strengthening of your faith. You may not understand it all. You may not understand or know all the details, but I pray that you'll keep reading Keep reading and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life to open your eyes and your heart to the true meaning. And most of all, my friends, I pray that you see Jesus. I pray that you see Jesus. He's for you. His love is for you. His grace is for you. He has given you faith to trust in him. His Holy Spirit is with you. 
And he's given you this gift of the Holy Scriptures that the Word of God may be in your homes, in your daily life. He wants to be with you that you can have a relationship with him and know of his good works. My friends, you don't need to look anywhere else than the Scriptures alone to hear of this life-saving, eternal promise in Jesus Christ our Lord. And here we are in Jesus Christ, in the Scriptures, in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.